arguing, no division. That's what Paul said, and he said it rather strongly in the book of 1 Corinthians. Very interesting as we go through the Bible. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And Bible Discovery TV is going to do that today. We're in Corinthians, and this is interesting. It's chapter one, and Paul starts off pretty strong. We'll talk about that in about five minutes. Ryan, what's going on? Well, today my segment is all about 1 Corinthians 4.9, in which Paul seems to think that God has put apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. The question is, what exactly does Paul mean by that? Excellent. What'd you do, Jan? Today, my segment is called Jesus is Lord. All right. Very good. We're going to talk to Calvin Smith later on. Make sure you call your friends and get everybody and find him and all of that stuff. We'll be talking about that. It's very interesting right now. Let's open up our Bibles and learn what God says. First Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. We come into 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. This is very interesting. You know, Jesus Christ first introduces the church in Matthew 16 and 18. He says, the ecclesia or the church would be built and the gates of hell would not come against it. So God planned on the church being a strong spiritual army rising against the strongholds of hell. The power of Christ is the preeminent strength of the church. Did you hear that? Listen carefully. The power of Christ is the preeminent strength of the church. When James introduced the ravages of the tongue, referring to idle talk and gossip, he says it this way. He says it's of hell. Now I'll quote you. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And it's set on fire by hell. James chapter 3, verse 6. 
Likewise, Paul the Apostle confronts the Corinthian church about divisions, about backbitings. Many in the social media world today have destroyed and continue to tear down much of our unity. This is vitally important to consider for those of us who are attempting, attempting to discipline our life to follow Jesus Christ. Did, did, you, did you hear that? If we are Christians, if we are following Jesus Christ, we need to pay attention to how easy it is to get ourselves wrapped up into all of the social media justice. I don't think so. God has a higher discipline for us. We need to focus our attention on ourselves, not criticize everybody else. Very important. So get your Bible guide and turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be talking about chapter 1, which really Paul gives thanks to God, the divisions in the church. This is what he starts, and that's what we're going to talk about. And then he talks about the wisdom of God. Chapter 2, Paul speaks about the messages of wisdom. And chapter 3, Paul and Apollos, the servants of Christ, he talks about them. So this is really important. And the book is written to the church at Corinth. So it's called Corinthians. There's two books, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Today we're focused on 1 Corinthians. Very good. Divisions in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Father, help us today. We need your help. Teach us your way and show us your path, Lord. We need your help. Help us today. Because, Father, we're so ready to jump on the bandwagon and criticize everybody else. This church is not right. That church, I don't get anything of that. What are we doing? Lord, help us. We don't criticize the church like that. What we do is we try to pray for the church and we ask Lord for you to help the church, help our pastors and touch them in our cities. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And this is what we said together. Make it so. Amen. All right. Now, with that in mind, we go to the 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I plead with you, Paul says, I plead with you, brethren, plead with you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. You hear his intensity, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Cleo's household, that there are contentions among you. Paul speaks against those who were arguing and causing division in the church of Corinth. Let me tell you something. Paul speaks to us now. The gospel message of Christ crucified is key to the church unity. You know, when, when we talk about this, a lot of people say things and, well, they say, well, I didn't like that church or this church because of the unity or, or this or that. We don't go to church to see what we like or don't like. We go to praise God. That's why we go to church and to learn the word of God. Hopefully this program helps you learn the word of God and, and I'm learning it too. So as we learn it together, then when we, on the weekend, we go to church and we learn it there. Very important. We need to change our attitudes, don't we? Very interesting. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 12. Now I say this, Paul says, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. 
Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or are you baptized in the name of Paul? I, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gatius, lest any one of you should say, I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. You see, Paul warns the people that they are arguing over trivial things. Who baptized you? Like, what in the world is that about? Beloved, we should keep the power of Jesus Christ close to our conversations. We are Christians. We follow Jesus Christ. You are my Lord. That's who I want to talk about. Isn't it interesting how so many people, and all I can say is it's, it's in media all around us today. I mean, radio shows, television shows, they want your opinion. They want you to talk about stuff. There's people that say, well, I like him. I don't like him. Like, what in the world is that? You know what? I like Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. And that's what I'm going to talk about. And I, yeah, there's models and things I enjoy doing. And I love this. And I build these little airplanes, you know. I love that stuff. But I focus my mind on Jesus Christ. I don't need to be talking negative about people. We need to keep that in mind. Now, let's go back to the scripture. This last scripture, listen to this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but he sent me to preach the good news, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. The power of good news of Christ is the cross and the resurrection. Jesus Christ is the center of our faith. Let, let me explain something. The Lord has done the work. God has done the work. He did it all. There is nothing anybody did. And the only good that I have is when I hear a preacher talk about the Bible, the Word of God. He preaches on the Word of God. I mean, I'm excited about that. Beloved. We need to refocus ourselves back on Jesus Christ. We need to get ourselves straight, especially now in this world. Have you seen the news? Don't even look at the news. I mean, one thing after another. Beloved, we need to get, we, we need to get our mind back on the one thing that we know is real. And that is the Lord God Almighty through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we don't need to be involved in all these other things. Father, help us. Forgive us. Keep us from being involved in stupid stuff. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We need to remember that today and focus our attention on the glory of Jesus Christ. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today's reading is 1 Corinthians 4-6. through 6. And my specific focus is on 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, where Paul is clearly using imagery to make his point. The obvious question I wanted to investigate was just what imagery did Paul have in mind? To answer that, we need to travel back to the first century AD when Rome ruled much of the world. Let's go. In the fourth chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, he gives these believers a much-needed lesson in humility. With tongue-in-cheek, he says, You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. While Paul certainly makes his point clear, what are we to make of the imagery he uses in verse 9? To what is Paul referring when he says that God has displayed the apostles last, men condemned to death as a spectacle to the world? The 19th century reverend James M. Freeman suggested that the apostle may have had in his mind the public exhibition of the bestiari and gladiators. The former were men who fought with beasts, and the latter men who fought with each other. Some thus fought for pay, while others were criminals who were compelled to contend with beasts or with armed men as an expiation of their crimes, and as a source of amusement to the spectators. In the early part of the day of such an exhibition, the prisoners were given arms wherewith to defend themselves, but at the close of the exhibition, at noon, the poor wretches had nothing to protect them, and soon fell easy and certain victims to the destroyer. Thus, in this sense, the apostles were set forth last. Another idea is that Paul was referring to Roman triumphal processions, in which their captors were paraded through the streets before being publicly executed. While there is no specific mention of a procession in the Greek text, this is certainly possible. Of course, it's also possible that both suggestions are true. In fact, judging by the translation of verse 9 in the New International Version of the Bible, these scholars subscribe to both views, for they render Paul's words in this way. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. Whatever be the case, Paul's important warning is loud and clear for both first-century Christians and 21st-century Christians. We as followers of Jesus Christ should be careful about our attitudes. Rather than being puffed up, we should be fools for Christ's sake. When we're cursed, we should bless. When we're persecuted, we should endure it. And when we're slandered, we should answer kindly. So it seems the imagery Paul had in mind in 1 Corinthians 4.9 was either an arena battle or a Roman procession, or both. Whatever the case, Paul's message is clear, and it's just as relevant a message for us today as it was for those first century Corinthian Christians. Now, we as followers of Jesus Christ should be careful about our attitudes. Paul says that rather than being puffed up, we should be fools for Christ's sake. When we're cursed, we should bless. When we're persecuted, we should endure it. And when we're slandered, we should answer kindly. 
You know, Jesus' words in Matthew 20, 26 and 27 are similar to Paul's. He says, But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, we need to follow the example of Jesus and Paul and be servants. Yeah, that, that's not something popular. I'll tell you right now, Ryan. Uh, uh, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in the Word of God, and God says it. That's good. Janice? This is our last day to have our special guest, Cal, with us, so I don't want to take up too much time. Jesus is Lord. That's the message I want you to hear in my segment today. Paul opens up 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we see here, and I noticed according to Holman Christian study notes, in Paul's introduction to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians, see, I'm getting so excited that Jesus is Lord, I can't even speak. (laughs) The word of the Lord, the word Lord, occurs more than any other letter introduction of Paul. So the word Lord is used here in this introduction of Paul's letter to the Corinthians in any other letter that Paul wrote. He wanted to make sure that the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ was demonstrated throughout this letter. And that's what I want us to know too. Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? The answer is no, no, and no. Am I of Paul? Am I of Apollos? Am I? Let's stop lifting up man. We need to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we have speakers that we enjoy. Yes, we have uh, our pastor that we enjoy and people that we can look on YouTube and, and, and get their message. But their message needs to be centered on the word of God. That's our authority. Jesus is Lord. So let's lift up the Lord Jesus Christ in our testimony. Let's be a reflection of him to the people that are around us. The people in today's world need hope. And our hope has a name, and it's Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's very good, Janice. Excellent. Keep that in mind. Uh, one of the things that I need to talk about briefly here is Answers in Genesis. You, where are your websites? What are they? Well, AnswersInGenesis.ca if you're here in Canada, but AnswersInGenesis.org. Uh, if you happen to be in the UK, it'll route you to the UK site. If you're in the US, it'll, it'll go there. So uh, we also have an Answers in Genesis Canada YouTube channel. So all of the Canadian uh, produced videos that we make are uh, on our channel, but the U.S. has a, an answer, uh, like a, a YouTube channel as well. So people can get it there. And if you want to subscribe to the Answers.TV streaming platform here in Canada, it's only seven bucks a month. It's got some fantastic content on there. Uh, original content. It's got uh, other other ministries as well. For example, uh, your your ministry is on there. Um, you know, Way of the Master. Um, you know, there's some just some great content on that streaming platform. So if you're looking for a great Christian streaming platform, I'd really encourage people to try it out. It's uh, absolutely free. You can try it out for a week. Answers.tv. And then if you want to continue, it's yeah, like seven dollars yeah. a month. And the other thing I would recommend is Answers Magazine as well. Mm. Uh, I'm subscribed to that. It's excellent. Yeah, it's a worldview and not just a creationist magazine, but also that Christian worldview uh, topic. And, you know, I really appreciated the the topic here today is that that unity factor that, you know, Paul's laying out there. And I think sometimes people think of, of Answers in Genesis as almost like a divisive type ministry because, you know, we're, we're so strong, staunch on young earth creationism and stuff and, oh, you guys are divisive. But I, I like to remind people, like, it's 
what we discuss is not like a denominational issue. You know, yeah. it, it's not like soteriological issues or, or end times or, or baptismal modes or stuff like that. Because if I were to sit down with a group of pastors, let's say, okay, we got our CRC pastor and our Pentecostal pastor and our Baptist brother and our Lutheran, and we're all sitting around and everything's fine for 15 minutes. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the, the uh, denominational distinctives came forward. What each one of those men would do is take the word of God and say, yeah, but look at this verse here. And someone, oh yeah, but look at this verse here. And what we're dealing with in, in Answers in Genesis is Christians saying, oh, but my geology professor said the Earth's 4.5 billion years old, so therefore the word yom in, in, in uh, Genesis doesn't have to mean a literal day. Oh, wait, wait a sec, you're, you're quoting a, an authority outside of Scripture to tell me how to interpret Scripture. That's different. You know, I, I like to ask Christians who, you know, are what I would consider compromising with old Earth and, and, and evolutionary ideas to just say, could you tell me your top three Bible passages that convinced you God used millions of years to create? Because it's a real short list, because they don't exist. Zero. You got those ideas from outside of Scripture. Now you're trying to jam them into Scripture. The only place you can put millions of years is in the six days of creation. If you're saying the rock layers got laid down in six days of creation, what's in the rock layers is dead things. Now you got death before Adam sinned. You just blew the gospel out the window and, and you didn't even probably realize it because you haven't gone through those, those steps. Meanwhile, you're supporting the evolutionary, the atheistic evolutionary idea. This is the most atheistic generation we've ever seen in the West. And, and people don't understand in order to be an atheist, like I used to be, you have to believe in the story of evolution. You don't have a choice. You have to explain how you got here without God. What's the only game in town? Mm -hmm. Evolution. So when you're promoting these ideas, you're actually supporting the fundamental aspect of an atheistic worldview. And you're somehow trying to bring it in and say, well, God can use evolution to create and all that stuff. God used billions of years of death and suffering to create and call it very good. It's dismantling our own faith and then you know really we're, we're taking our kids and putting them into a system where they they convince them of these ideas and the majority of them walk away from the faith it's not helping to compromise with these ideas so well that's right there, there are answers and if you believe you came from slime or pond scum or whatever you want to then it's okay to act like pond scum and a lot of people have not understood the implications of that mm -hmm. and today when people are killing themselves and striking at people and beating people up and all they don't understand it well things like abortion um you know if, if you're just an evolved animal you know then then moral issues start to to disappear so think about it you know we don't watch shark week and say wow those those great white sharks are serial killers no they're not they're just doing what they do we call it nature so they right we live in a sin cursed world and they're doing that stuff we call jeffrey dahmer a serial killer because he killed and ate human beings right well, what's the difference then? If we're all just evolved animals, what's the difference between a wolf when it rips a rabbit to pieces or you murder somebody? It's the same thing. It's just one animal killing another animal. But we make these differentiations, but those differentiations are being smeared now in culture because the story of evolution has become so dominant that people are starting to go, well, you know, you get rid of spare cats, you get rid of spare kids. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Are you really a human? Is there any difference? These types of things. So it does affect the way the culture thinks about morality and ethics and all those types of things. And I'm not just saying that as a biblical creationist. You can read many atheists who will agree. Oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. we, we need to change our, it's very, our ethics. It, it's very subtle. Mm. isn't it? 
Well, it's not as in, subtle as it used to be, yeah. which is unfortunate. But yeah, I think it's the crept way in. it's crept in, and even within the church, absolutely. And and it mm. and it it seems as though it feels as though um, you can't really talk about it as much. Yes, many uh, churches would not have answers in Genesis to come in because it's controversial. Right. Meanwhile, the world is using evolution as a, as a reason to say God doesn't exist all over the place. So there's no way to hide from this issue, the origins issue. It's just whether you're going to say, okay, we're going to take the word of God as plainly written, then how do we explain these things like radiometric dating and dinosaurs and all these types of things? Or are we just going to not talk about it and let the world have the authority on those issues? That's why I appreciate what you do so much, Ryan, because mm-hmm. you recognize that. You, you have to talk about these issues. I was doing a... I was speaking at a, uh, well, I was manning a booth at a, at a pastor's conference when the Answers in Genesis ministry started five years ago. And all these pastors would come up and they don't know the ministry that well. And they'd be like, so what do you guys do? Finally, one pastor came over and I said, here's what we do, pastor. Pretend I'm 16 years old. It's Sunday morning. And I walk up to you and say, how do you explain dinosaurs in the Bible, pastor? And he looked at me and he was like, oh, okay. I said, no, 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 go ahead, role play. Uh, I said, that's what we do. We give answers because if you can't give the answers to the kid, guess what? He's going to get answers from the That's world. Right. It's just not going to honor the word of God. So you can go to our YouTube channel. We've got lots of cool videos on <laughs> dinosaurs in the Bible. Uh, anyway. I'm yes. going there. Very good. Excellent. <laughs> Make sure you go there. Let's get back to the program right now. Thank you. Thank you for praying with us. And as we pray for the people who have given their request, we need to pray for our local churches, don't we? So let's do that. Lord, I pray for my local church. And I pray also for the global churches around the world. Help them to know you and to lift you up and help them, Lord, to be strong in how they preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, in every nation may it be preached. And we all said together, amen. 